Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our Plant City Campus Pastor, Michael Pippin, delivers a message on the four loves defined in the Bible. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Glad to be here. This is the right place to be. Man, I'm so excited. And, uh, and I would, if you wouldn't mind, just keep it going and welcome everyone watching around the world online. So glad you're here. Y'all make some noise for South Shore down there with Pastor Hector. And would you please send some Plant City love to Plant City. Got my wife, Miss Julie, she's down there. And uh, we're just, we just so excited about what God has been doing. Plant City owns the building, guys. We have a permanent home. And uh, we've begun small little renovations just to clean it up a little bit, make it nice. But we have some big plans for for Plant City, and, and, and you're, you're all a part of it. This is one body, multiple locations, and, and so we're just another set of seats for the Crossing Church, and, uh, and you know what's cool about that is there's people being reached that are uh, outside the, the drive zone for the Tampa campus or South Shore campus, but it gives us the ability to take the vision that Pastor Greg has birthed right here and carry it to the East County, carry it as far as Lakeland, Mulberry, all the way over there. Hope Cannon. And so we're uh, glad to be doing it. And I just want to say thank you to Pastor Greg and, and Tamara. That it, it, it's important to have good leadership. And, and that's what we have here. And so I know you appreciate them. And so would you just show them some love and say thank you for great leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership, guys. And so we're, we're, it's, it's, you don't find good leaders everywhere. Not every church has them. And so we're honored to be under that. And, um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for the chance to speak to you today. I hope to just speak for a moment. It is Valentine's Day. And so I hope, guys, you, you, you got it right. I mean, I hope you remember. Good luck. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a little late now. <laughs> if, you, if you forgot, look at them real quick. Just, hey, Valentine's Day. Like, like just act like you, you had it planned the whole time. I did that to my wife one time. Uh, I told her, I said, hey, listen, I got this. And, uh, uh, and Valentine's Day showed up, and I was like, uh, I have a picnic plan. And, and, and we, we have it all already set up. It's ready, and nothing was planned. But uh, she humored me and acted like she didn't know it wasn't planned. And, uh, and then later on, she was like, I, I knew you didn't know nothing. You, you are not smooth at all. And uh, but God bless a forgiving and loving wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Yes, I, that, you can put your hands together for that. If you married and you ain't clapping right now, you're the dumbest man on the planet. I don't. You need to try harder. Is what you? I set it up for you. I lobbed that up in the air. Gosh, some guys, man. <laughs> you know, we've been trying to figure out love for centuries, thousands of years, actually. And so we've often looked to philosophers and try to figure out, hey, uh, what do you think about love? And, and, and I, I think it's kind of crazy how we've come through, like Aristotle, for example. So Aristotle said, love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. Beautiful. Thank you, Aristotle. So poetic. <laughs> Actually, I think love sometimes is for people. 
It's two people with split personalities trying to <laughs> work it out. Uh, Socrates came behind. He said, love is, or one word frees us of all weight and pain and life. That word is love. He didn't, he didn't have kids. That's what, I, that's what I've learned there. This man does, did not have kids. God gives you babies so you love them. He gives you teenagers so you want them to leave. <laughs> so he did not have... And, and, and Plato uh, wrote something uh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I think... I think he got it. I think he understood. But, but, but you know, we, I do appreciate... Uh, the philosopher, the great philosopher, Tina Turner, who, who said, what's love got to do, got to do with it? I mean, the eternal question. And, and you, some of you had hair like this in the 80s and you just admit it. Like, just wave at me. If you had hair like this, I know in Plant City, they still, some folks still carry this look. That's still a look. That's still around. I don't know if you've been to the Walmart in Plant City. That's still there. That's still a thing. Yeah. It's a hairspray just, just destroying ozones around the world. That's what you did. C congratulations, 80s kids. Man, that's uh, love is, is, and we make love complex. You know, in, especially in modern culture today, we, we, we make love very complex and, and, and because really, out of all of the human emotions, the love emotions are, in fact, uh, uh, extremes at times. You know, you, it is the most charitable and at the same time, the most egotistical. It's the most giving and at the same time, the most selfish. It is the most fulfilling and so often the most disappointing. It is at times very spiritual and and then very physical, it's uh, natural, and at the same time, very peculiar. It is the source of our deepest pleasure and many times the source of our darkest pain. And, and love means so many things today. It's, it's crazy how you can have love of family and sexual or romantic love. You can have friendship and compassion Love of self, love of God, love of cheeseburgers, love of hairstyles. You can even love the Bucks again. That's how crazy love is as a concept. There seems to be no congruent word that flows through that connects them all together. And yet somehow we call them all love. But the truth is... Um, the New Testament church understood the concept of love a lot differently than that. Those that the scriptures were written to would not have had that vast array of uh, love concepts all held under one term. There was actually four terms. There were four concepts or types of love that existed at the time of scripture. And so I think it's important for us to understand the context of that in order for us to love properly. If you don't understand the definition, the biblical godly definition of love, then what will happen is you will begin defining everything as love and then nothing is love. And so it's important for us to, to realize that. 
Now, I want to I go through those types real quick. There's eros. Eros love is that erotic love. That's where we get the word erotic from. But it's, it's a physical, it's a romantic attraction, a physical desire. It's that feeling you had when you were a teenager and you, you saw that girl and she was the prettiest thing you'd ever seen in your life. God had created an angel and set that angel in front of you and you just lost your mind. <laughs> right? Hopefully you had that same feeling about your wife. <laughs> I know uh, I did. I saw Julie and, and I actually met her at church, and, uh, which is still the best place to find a wife. I agree. I, I believe it. It's probably a terrible place to find a husband because I was on the prowl. OK. <laughs> and so I, I saw her. I was sitting in the balcony and I looked down and there was a new blonde girl at our church. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I receive your blessing. And uh, and I went up to her and I, I was I was submitting. I had I had eros. I had that that uh, reaction. Now, we'll get into that in a minute. But but there's also philia and philia is a deep friendship. Philia is is deep friendship. It's the concept of, of being connected based off a common interest. And so, uh, you know, oftentimes friends are friends because they share some sort of common interest. You know, you both are into a certain thing and you share that interest together and it, and it develops a, a deep friendship. And, and it's actually the same concept that when we're supposed to use when we when we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the command when he says, love your brothers and, and love your body, love the church, because we are connected through a commonality of Christ. We all have the blood of Christ in us. We've uh, connected in that way. That's why I don't understand, and it had always bothered me whenever one group of church people can hate another group of church people. You know, it's like you, you, you look and go, see them people over there who believe almost exactly like me? I hate them. <laughs> I want to fight them. They're the devil. And, uh, and, and so we, it's like, you know, Baptists, you can't, that's why you're not allowed to hate Pentecostals, guys, because you share the blood of Christ. And if you're Pentecostal here, you, you're not allowed to hate Baptists because we are commonality covered in the blood of the lamb. That is, that is philia. Storge, storge is, uh. Is, is family bonds. That's that familial connection. That is a natural kindred affection. It's easy to have because it's that same thing you have when you have a baby. You, you feel connected, kindred. You, you, you lose it. You can't lose it when they're teenagers. You, you, it goes away. And then it'll come back when they have grandbabies. They, they have babies and then you get to have it again. And, uh, and so, but no, there's, that is the connection between parent and child and child and parent and brothers and sisters and aunts and grandma and, and all that, right? And so that is storge. And now here's what's kind of a, a cool thing about storge. It is actually a sign of the end of the times that you can be aware of. The Bible tells us, 2 Timothy, that, that says, mark this, because at the end of times, there will be trouble. And, and he begins to describe what the trouble looks like. And one of the troubles that arise is a storgos. 
That means no storge, unlove for family. In other words, there's a sign that happens when you get to the end of times where it is not natural. That natural common bond that we have in families begins to erode when families begin to fall apart. And we ask ourselves this, we see it regularly where we go, how can a mother abandon her child? How is it that a father can walk away from his family? How do we get into a place where your drug addiction becomes more important than your love addiction? How is it that we can desire the romance of the club more than the romance of the home? How is it that we get to a place where we have such disregard for our own children that we murdered them? How do we come to a place where the natural is unnatural anymore? That's a loss of storgos. That's a sign of the end of the times. But there is a highest level of love, and it is agape. Agape love is a self-sacrificing love. And here's the truth about agape, or about love in general. Only agape love makes permanent, powerful, and purpose-driven relationships possible. Only sacrificial agape love. You can't have all the eros or the eros that you want, but if you don't have agape with it, it won't last. You can have all of the friendships that you want, but if they are not sacrificial, self-sacrificing, at some point, you're going to have to give something of yourself up, your own ego, your own desire to be right, your own desire to, uh, to be justified, your own desire to hold on to uh, uh, unforgiveness and bitterness. At some point, you've got to release something if you're going to have a friendship that lasts beyond a week or two. Because once your common interests start to fade, if there's going to be any kind of lasting durability, it has to come from a self-sacrificing place. i got to choose you over me. Same thing happens in families. In order for families to survive and thrive for generations, for, for blessings to transfer from you to your children to your children's children, in order for that kind of functionality to happen, it requires agape to be active in your home. There has to be a self-sacrifice what are you giving up for your family? And, and, and love, because I need you to understand something, love is not an emotion. The first three types that we went through, those, those are emotion feelings. But it's not love. It's not true love. And we often refer to love as an emotion. However, there are different types, uh, different forms of love we went through. And the highest form is not a feeling at all. It's a choice. Because after all, I don't know if you realize this, but that emotion that is so real to you that you think is, is real is actually uh, just a chemical reaction. You're, you're having a reaction. That's, how, that's what that is. And, and I want to kind of uh, break it down because each one of the love types uh, involves a different chemical reaction. Okay, so I want to show you what, what Eros looks like. This is Eros. Eros is started by a visual or auditory response. You might, some of the guys, you might see that girl and she's something special, right? She's all that in a bag of chips. She's got it all together. She's, she just starts something. She cranks your engine. You're ready to go. This is what I'm looking for right here. And, and you start get that feeling. Now, women, you can also be uh, often uh, inspired visually. However, you have an extra gift and it's 
auditory. So you can take, that's how you end up with those guys. You're like, how did he get with her? <laughs> she is so beautiful. He is so not. <laughs> it's because he had the right things to say. And so sometimes just saying the right things can open this, this portal. And the hypothalamus starts to churn out and, and starts making testosterone and estrogen and begins to push out these chemicals into your brain and you get amped. You are ready. This is the one. I'm feeling it, right? And then that feeling transfers into that sense of falling in love. And, and, and we, it's, it's a funny term, fall in love, because it sounds like you fell in a ditch. And, <laughs> and real love is not accidentally tripping into anything. You, you're going to get into it in a minute, but real love is not falling. Because if you could fall into a ditch, you could fall out of something. And real love doesn't work like that. And so, uh, um, but, but when you start to move into the falling in love phase, you start to release, your brain begins to release uh, Phenolethylamine. Phenolethylamine uh, is, is similar to um, amphetamines. So you are high. Okay? That's what I'm telling you right now. And norepinephrine starts pumping into your system. And that's this feeling that uh, it gives you the sweaty palms and the beating heart and, and that, that giddy feeling that you have, the butterflies in your stomach. And, and all of that is, is, is not real. It, it is a chemical reaction. It is, it is you getting high. And then dopamine comes forward and it starts to jump in your brain. And that is a pleasure chemical. And so you start feeling all kind of good stuff. And I'm telling you, you say, like, I feel so much love for that person. I feel so much desire for them. No, you don't. You are high. <laughs> your own body is your drug dealer. You are strung out. <laughs> we interpret that feeling as love, but it is not. It is, in fact, a chemical reaction. The dangerous part of that is that if you understand love through the concept of uh, chem that chemical reaction of excitement, if you require that chemical reaction of excitement in order to feel love, then what do you do when the chemicals change? They do change. You don't believe me, just ask a 40-year-old. Them chemicals are all kind of different now. There's a whole lot less testosterone. You got to go get a shot. <laughs> Ladies, the stuff inside don't work like it did. Stuff gets hot all of a sudden. The feelings start to shift, and, and they change every five seconds. You both look at each other. I have no idea what's wrong with you. Trust me, that's where choice comes in. <laughs> I'd choose you anyway. <laughs> I'm also going to choose to hide for a minute. <laughs> but chemicals change, and, and that same hypothalamus that's creating all of these amazing, good-feeling chemicals also has another chemical in it that it can release, and it's called cortisol. Cortisol is the fear response. You... 
Some of you guys might be real familiar with this. It is the same feeling you got when you walked into your bedroom and parts of your wife were spread all over the place. You know what I'm talking about. Her eyelashes were on the counter. She has strands of hair, extensions, I guess they're called, extended all over the room. She's not as tall as she once was. There's a, there's a lamp knocked over because the spanks shot off. They were on so tight. You over here got to do drywall work now. She turns around and her face, she has something on that can only be described as a scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She's wearing some skin mask on, I don't... And that feeling of fear that you have, I, you really, I'm afraid of this woman. I don't even know who, who is she. Where does she come from? But those feelings, they can, they, they, those chemicals change. And, and what's even worse is, is when those chemicals release for other people. What do you do with that? If that's your understanding of love, it's what happens when you see that other lady and you get those same chemical responses? What happens when you see someone else the next day and you get those same chemical responses? And every day after that, what do you do with that? That's how people end up in adultery and affairs is because the concept of what love is has eluded them. It is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It is a choice. Well, once we slide outside of, of that initial high, we start getting used to that. The body starts releasing. There's another high that happens inside, especially inside friendships and, and inside the philia uh, 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 type of love, and that's oxytocin. Oxytocin is what they call the cuddle hormone. That is uh, uh, something you feel it gets released from touch. So when your friend comes up and they put their arm around you or, or you come in and you, you're, you're praying for someone, encouraging them, and, and, and there's from simple touch, we feel a release of uh, oxytocin. And, and not only that, it's, it's when women breastfeed, they, they get a, a deep shot of that. It, it develops, it is the hormone required to develop deep trust. And so you start developing this real deep sense of trust for one another. And the reason that it looks so complex compared to everything else is because women have three times as much of this and anything that hits their brain has to be complex and complicated. That sauce was like a one box and a, and a stick. It looked like women like spaghetti just slung up on the wall. Just. And, then, and then Storge comes along and Storge has its own set of chemicals and that is the release of serotonin and uh, endorphins. They create a sense of attachment, comfort, and dependence. That's what these chemicals do. They make you feel like you need someone and you feel uh, comfort when you're around them, right? Like family. And, and you start to feel this release like, okay, we are connected. I'm, I need you and you need me. And we are dependent upon one another as family. Only agape love makes permanent, powerful, and purpose-driven relationships possible in your life, though. Those chemicals will never do what agape love can do. 
Because love is a choice. Love is a choice. And, and, and love is a response. What's cool is that love can be, can be laid down like this. Love is a response to value. That's what love is. Love is real love is a response to value. And, and, and so it's like this. Um, when you buy a new car, you know, you got that new truck and, and, and you get that thing and it is so pretty. You love it. Right. You just got this fondness for this thing. It's amazing to you. It's a, it smells new. You know, about, and you spend the rest of your life trying to buy them little inserts to make it smell like that. It never smells like that again. It just smells like it smells something special. Right. And so it's so great. And, and then you tell your uh, dirty children, don't you bring that food in here. And nobody eating in this truck. Right. And you, you protect it. You park on the far side of the parking lot now. You get more exercise you've ever had in your life because you want to, oh, nobody parking next to me. And, 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 and you, it's six months later, you look under the seats and there's 15 french fries under every chair. <laughs> you ain't cleaned it in a month. There's dust on the inside, people writing, washing me on the window. <laughs> well, what happened? Did the, did the vehicle lose that much value? No. Did it, did it suddenly, uh, was it messed up? No. Did, is it uglier than it was? No, it looks exactly the same. Did, did it quit doing what you bought it to do? Does it stop taking you to work now? No. Did it quit allowing you to pick up groceries to feed your family? No. Did it quit functioning as a way to get your children to and from activities properly? Did it keep you safe anymore? No, none of that changed. The only thing that changed was that your value on it decreased. It's the same vehicle different value. Love is a response to value. You see Dave Ramsey, if you take financial peace, he he often tells everybody in, in there, he says, hey, don't carry credit cards, only carry cash. And at first I didn't understand it, but, but then I looked in my wallet and, and every six months I'm, I, I get me a, a $100 bill. That's about how often it takes me to find one of them. I don't, they, they go quick. But if I get a hold of one of them, maybe it was a birthday or something, I'll put that joker in, and, and I ain't spending that hundred. That hundred gonna stay in there, and y'all gonna bury me with that hundred. And my wife would be like, you got any money on you? Nope. <laughs> no, I don't have none. And, and, and it's because I know once you break it, it's gone. Now. $100 cash is the same monetarily to $100 credit. You know, it's still your money. You, don't, you didn't make a deal by, by putting it on a credit card. They don't give you an automatic 50% discount. It's the same money. But something feels different about that green paper version, right, than it does about that plastic version. And it's because of value. The value I place on it is different. We have a, a gentleman down at Plant City. He's, he's at our Plant City campus, a good friend of ours, and he, uh, he runs a, a dealership that sells jacked-up, high-end trucks. I mean, these are the sweetest trucks you've ever seen in your life. Right? These, these are stuff you, you stop in the parking lot and go, what's he do for a living? Right? That kind of thing. And so uh, I saw my favorite truck is the Toyota Tundra. Toyota Tundra, Crew Max. Jacked up, six-inch lift, 35-inch tires, 
right? Fancy OCD grill on the front, some lights on the top that go up and down. It's like they're waving at people when you drive. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and, and so uh, I, I drove by and I saw my dream truck sitting there. And if you guys just ever feel inspired, I mean, I, I'm, I'm open to all suggestions. <clears throat> if you want to buy your pastor a truck, just go and just do it. I mean, do what, do what the Lord's telling you, okay? <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but, but I, I came by and I saw the truck and I was, went in there and I was talking to him about it. And, uh, and man, you know, I, I was like, well, uh, okay, that's a lot of money. Let me just go, let me go think about it. And, uh, and so the next day I drove by and that sucker was gone. That truck was gone. I was so mad. I called him. I said, what'd you do with my truck? He said, I sold your truck. Because there was a guy that came in who valued it more than I did. Same truck, same price, different value. Love is a response to the value you place on something. And so the good news is that value can be measured by what you're willing to spend for something. The gospel is a story of how God values you. He doesn't look at you like a broken mess that he needs to fix. Some kind of project laying around the house that is on his to-do list. He, he don't look at you like that. He looked, when he made you, he made you in his image. And when he looks at you, he sees the value of himself. And he said, the only proper value that I can place on their life is a sufficient payment. And the only sufficient payment is myself. That is the gospel. That is agape love. Value can be measured by how much one is willing to give up for another. God said he loves you and then he gave his own life for you. When someone says that they love you, young people, listen, someone says they love you, that's easy to measure. It's not measured by what they take from you or what they want from you, or how much you can offer them, love is measured by what they give up for you. Amen. It's measured by what they are willing to sacrifice to value you. <laughs> and vice versa. Married couples and all those planning to get married Stop evaluating your marriages based on butterflies in your stomach and sweaty palms and giddiness. Instead, ask yourself, what have I been willing to spend on this marriage? What have I spent on this? Do I value it? Have I placed value on this relationship? Have I chosen to value them? And, and you might be saying, but they don't value me. I, you can't help nobody but you. What have you spent? And did you spend it all? Self-sacrificing love is the only love that makes permanent, powerful, purpose-driven relationships possible. 
So if we're going to define love, we have to go back to its creator. And, and here's where we get our scriptures. I want you to, to get ready. This is in John. And, and love is defined and love is directed by its creator. No one else. No one else gets to define love. The world didn't make love. They don't get to define love. Hollywood didn't make love. Hollywood cannot define love. You didn't make love. You don't get to define love. The only one that can do it is the creator. In John 3.16, everyone should know this, and I felt so terrible as a father because I was at a friend's house uh, a few months ago, and we mentioned someone brought up John 3.16, and I looked over at my kids, and I saw the blank stare in their eyes. And I said, oh, no, what have I done? I don't think I've trained them properly. Because we didn't even go to church when I was a kid, and, and we, we, my dad still made sure I knew what John 3.16 was. <laughs> right? And, and so I looked over, I said, you don't know what John 3.16 is? Uh, no. I said, I've got to resign tomorrow. <laughs> this is not right. But they know now. Every, every night we just, you tell me what John 3.16 is. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only, his best. In John 15, it tells us in verse 12, it says, my command, you understand it's directed, it's a command. My command is this, love, value, right, each other as I have loved and valued you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. First John 4, 19 through 20 says, we love because he loved us. We value because he valued us. Whoever claims to love God and hates his brother or sister is a liar. That's a strong statement. He's a liar. If someone says they love you and they have not sacrificed anything for you, they are a liar. They are just high. <laughs> Value, truth, and kindness are always present in authentic agape love. Listen, the enemy knows how important a definition is, and so he spent his entire career attempting to redefine God's definitions. He attacks kindness, and you see it right at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. He attacked kindness right away by going to, the wife, uh, to, to Eve, and he said to Eve, he said, hey, did, did God really say that you can't have any tree in the garden? Now, that ain't what God said, but he was trying to spin it in such a way that he made God look unloving and withholding of blessings. That's how he wants you to see God as unkind. And then he's, he, he begins to attack truth because he says, hey, listen, you will. What, what did he say? And, and she says, he said, I can have any tree, but not one from the middle of the garden. And he said, because I'll die. And he said, you, you won't. You're not going to die. Come on. And begins to attack the truth of God. Because he immediately attempts to, to jump in on the only rule God had set. And then he attacks value because he wants them to, he wants God to appear like a selfish, limiting God. Because he says, uh, he says, you know what it is. The reason he don't want you to have that is because he knows if you eat it, you're going to be like him. And he, he's scared that you're going to be as important as he is. 
and, 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 and begin to spin it as, as if God is attempting to limit you somehow. Definitions are important because if the enemy can redefine something, then he can uh, reinterpret and redirect the identity, the meaning, and the intention of a thing. It's like words, they change. In the, in the old days, there was a time when the word nice and pretty, if you said that to a woman, it would get you slapped. Because to be nice meant that you were ignorant and to be pretty meant that you were deceitful and tricky. And if you were the word naughty, the word naughty meant to be poor. And if that was the case, then when me and my wife got married, we were very naughty. (laughs) So naughty. And boomers, you guys stepped in and started changing stuff around. You know what I'm talking about? You changed the word cool from a low temperature to something that's really popular. I'll never forget when I'd say that's cool to my dad. He'd say, we invented cool. I said, that's cool. (laughs) And then Gen Xers came along and they changed the word. They took the word, the bomb, and they took it from meaning an explosive device to something that was fantastic. And then Osama bin Laden changed it back to. (laughs) So now you can't use it anymore. Okay. Millennials changed the word swipe from meaning to steal something. Y'all remember, right? Swipe or no swiping. <laughs> this was South Shore. That's for Pastor Hector. Swiping, no swiping. <laughs> and, and, and now it means that's, that's how they discover that Eros love that we were talking about earlier. Swipe right, swipe love. They took the word tag, which at one time was a game where one kid, it was back in the days when people played outside, and it was, it will, one kid would chase another kid until they could touch them. Well, that's called assault now. So you can't, you can't play that no more. And, and Gen Z, this generation, no different. They've come in. They've said, if you, a snack is somebody that's attractive. Yeah. So I'm like a buffet. I'm like, <laughs> I think that's got a different meaning. That's just big. All right. So it, and then, and then salty means you're jealous. Yeah, so a salty snack <laughs> sounds delicious, actually. I'd, I'd take one right now. There's never been a more aggressive attempt by the enemy to change and define the things that God has sovereignly designed than there is today. One of the main targets is God's definition of love. Agape love always contains value, kindness, and truth. And, 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 and I see that at work today as we attempt as society to define kindness as, as real love. Kindness is just a part of real love. And what, what the world would like is for you to ignore truth and value and focus on kindness. Just say what makes me feel good. But that's not real love. But, but many times, the, 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 today we can do that on the extreme. We, the church used to be all truth and no kindness. We'd be like, oh, you all going to hell. <laughs> right? And, and, and so it was, it was this, 
missing element that you could not put them together, but we have got to love properly. And the gospel itself is a prime example. We find truth whenever we discover that we deserve the full payment of our sin. We, we, God clearly laid it out in the foundation of the world. And as it was in the beginning, so it is at the end that, that we, the wages of sin is still death. That is the truth. But God looked down. And he didn't see a disposable mess. He saw creation formed in his image. And he needed a sacrifice that was sufficient for the value that he had placed on you. And so his kindness stepped in and kicked in. And he said, it came on full display as the sovereign God of the universe said, stop. I will step in their place. That is the full context of agape love. Proverbs 3 and 3 says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Proverbs 16 tells us that be by mercy, or another word for kindness and truth, atonement is made for wrongdoing. Listen, so many are misinterpreting kindness only as love, just like so many have misinterpreted truth only as love. There is a combination. The combination is so critical that even the ancient Jews had a ritual for how to tie your shoes based on it. Why would they come up with a way to tie your shoe? First, you got to put the right one on, and then you have to put the left one on, and then you tie the left one, and then you tie the right one, and then when you take them off, you do it in reverse. Why would the, they take the time to create this ritual based on that? Well, it's simply because of that dual economy of, of love, because the truth, it comes from the Teflon. Teflon was this box that they would strap to their left arm because the left side of the body represented truth, and it would have inside of it scripture. It would have the truth written in it. And the right side of the body, it represented what kings would do when they wanted to honor someone. They would sit them at their right side. And so it was the combination. And what they were saying is, listen, remember that when you engage the world, you have to do it with both kindness and with truth. That's the only way to bring value. The whole point is to remind us to show value to others by loving them in kindness and in truth. In 1992, there was a study that was done, and I'm closing with this. They, we, they conducted a, a study where they were able to, uh, there's some people who were having marital troubles. And, and through this study, they could predict with 94% accuracy who would end up getting divorced. You know who was the, the one factor that separated that, that allowed them to predict with such accuracy? It was contempt. When you could discover contempt in a relationship, then that relationship is doomed to fail. Contempt is a devaluing of someone else. When you speak to me, don't speak to me with contempt because it makes me devalued. When you speak to me, you put away your own pain. When I speak to you, I put away my own agendas, my own victories, and I favor you. I value you. And when we do that, we beat contempt. The real reason for racism, for domestic violence, for injustice against the poor, for classism, for fraud, for uh, uh, religious persecution, for abortion, for divorce, for uh, the broken relationships all around us has always been devaluing others. Only agape love makes permanent, powerful, purpose-driven relationships possible. Listen, 
I have a question for you today. Is value, truth, and kindness, are they present in the way that you love others? Are all three there? Think about your marriage. Value, truth, and kindness. Think about your family relationships. Value, truth, and kindness. The friendships and the neighbors, the people God has brought into your life, value, truth, and kindness. The co-workers that you see on a daily basis, value, truth, and kindness. Are these present in the way that you love? Would God say that he sees you loving others as he loved you? With sacrifice and value? Is there anyone that God is challenging you to love better? Right now, you feel it. The Holy Spirit is speaking. God, I pray that you speak across the room. You convict our hearts of not loving with your definition. Right now, at Plant City and South Shore, online at Tampa, they're right in this atmosphere. God is bringing someone to your mind that he's called you to love better. You might be sitting next to him. You might have drove to church with him. They might be a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a brother, a sister, a, a, an aunt, a, a, a parent. There's some relationship in your life that God has said, hey, listen, you haven't loved all the way. God has called us to love. When we do outreach, we love this way. When we, when we worship God, we worship this way. When, when we come into his presence, we come with truth and love and with kindness and value and we place our own self down and exalt him and that is how we make relationships last. Is there anyone that would raise their hand and say, yeah, there's somebody like that in my life that I need to love a little better? Father, I pray that you would transform us into people who carry your love the way you carried your love for us, that you would take us into your hands and you'd wrap your arms around us and you'd walk us right into your agape love. Teach us to love the way you loved us. Let this be a church where people walk in and feel all of those three things at the same time. We thank you, God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want I want us just to pray this prayer together because there's somebody watching online or, or in Plant City or South Shore, maybe right here at, at Tampa, and, and you've never accepted that gift we talked about, that gospel gift. You didn't really realize how God sees you. You've been running from him because you thought he hated you. You ran from him because you thought he didn't appreciate or look at you very well or he was disappointed in you. The truth is that he values you so much that he gave all he had to rescue you. And all we have to do is accept it right now. And so together we're going to pray. I want everyone to join in and pray with me. Say, Father, I know 
that I need you. And I'm sorry that I haven't come to you already. But I need you in my life. I want that kind of love. The kind of love that lasts forever. I know now that without you, I can't make it. But with you, I know that I can do anything. So I accept the gift of your son, the salvation you sent for me, that I might live forever, right in your loving arms. Give me your presence, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed that message from our campus pastor, Michael Pippen. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch content for elementary age children, students, and young adults. You can also download our app by going to wearecrossing.com and selecting iPhone or Android. Thanks for joining us, and we can't wait to worship with you next weekend.